the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Pinellas Park, W262CP Bayonet Point. Brought to you by Moss Nissan. Low portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Now, what is God's righteousness? You want a definition of it? It is this. It is conformity to what is right. That is basically what it is. You can look up any theological book, and they will tell you that is what righteousness is. It is conformity to right. Conformity to that which is right. And who sets the standards? Who declares what's right? That's the cry of our hour. Who declares what's right? God declares what's right. God's righteousness is conformity to his own standards. He dictates what's right, not us. He does. And righteousness is God's conformity to his own standards. In the U.S., we have absolute standards. We have government organizations that set and maintain standards of weights and measures. When we talk about a gallon of gasoline, the other person knows what we mean. The world has standards. There are atomic clocks that are all synchronized and the time zones are all laid out in relation to Greenwich Mean Time in England. Without those standards, we could never have developed the technology and the transportation system that we enjoy today. We used to have standards of behavior that were also based on absolutes, but our behavioral standards have become relative and so they are no longer really standards. Welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving for more than 26 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. At Verse by Verse Ministries, we're glad to be able to bring his practical messages to you through this wonderful radio station. Our present moral situation is nothing new. There have always been people who reject God and the gospel. And then there are people who have never heard the good news. The Bible says that no one besides Jesus has ever been able to meet God's standards. The Bible says there is no way out of our predicament except faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But there are people all over the world who have never heard the gospel. That raises a difficult question. What will God do with those people? The Apostle Paul explains what will happen and why in this part of Romans. Now here is Pastor Steve with our lesson. I'd like you to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. Beginning at verse 18, we'll read to verse 32, although we will not this week cover all of these verses. Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because that which, is made, that which is known about God is evident within them or to them. For God 
has made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him or glorify him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, that their bodies might be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed Blessed forever, amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions, for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. In the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire towards one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did, did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. I don't know if you watch the local news on television. I assume that most of you do. And if you do, then you are aware that there is a basic pattern in the way the news is presented. First, we're given the bad news. The stories about murder, rapes, burglary, drug dealing, corruption of civic leaders, child abuse, and on and on it goes. Then there's a break for weather and sports, my favorite part of the news, the sports, not the weather. And then the news closes with a human interest story. You can uh, hear about such things as a lost puppy who was found. I have, I have heard about entering a pet alligator in a race. Uh, there are stories about who can yodel the loudest how a panda bear was nursed back to health, and, and stories like that. And I suspect that the reason that the newscast closes with a positive, wholesome story is to relieve our fears that the world has gone completely mad. I suspect it's to relieve our fears that the world is totally insane and corrupt. And I think it's an attempt to convince us that there's still some hope in the world. There's still some goodness in man. There's a good side to him that not everything is rotten. Well, in the first three chapters of Paul's letter to the Romans, the apostle Paul presents some news to us. And in a sense, he's like a newscaster. In fact, in chapter 1, verse 1, he says, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, really as a called apostle, set apart for what? What has he been set apart for? The gospel of God. That word gospel means good news. That is literally what it is. It is the good news of God and specifically of Christ Jesus, who is God. Paul's been set apart for that. But it's interesting that he has... Uh, 
no good news to tell us. He does not present anything good to us for the first few chapters of his letter. Until you reach chapter 3, verse 24, there is nothing good in what Paul has to say. Because Paul gives us only bad news, facts about man's wickedness and unrighteousness and guilt before God. He sounds like a 20th century newscaster. He tells us about murder and envy and deceitfulness and that people are disobedient to their parents. There's, he speaks of sexual perversion, of cold-heartedness, of unloving people, of being unmerciful. And he just lays it out before us and he says, this is the news. But he doesn't try to soften the blow. There's no human interest stories, nothing positive, nothing about panda bears or pet alligators or who can yodel the loudest. In fact, Paul hasn't got anything positive to say about man's righteous behavior because Paul is out to prove that mankind is totally unrighteous. As he stands before a holy God, there is nothing positive in him. You see, Paul may sound like a newscaster, but he's really playing the role of a prosecuting attorney. Paul is really putting on the outfit of a lawyer, and he is presenting evidence upon evidence to prove the charge against the world that all men are unrighteous, they're guilty, and they're sinners before a holy God who's a consuming fire. So Paul is not really a newscaster, or else he'd give us a human interest story. Paul is an attorney, a prosecuting attorney. In fact, the first three chapters of Romans are really a courtroom scene. Someone has called it a courtroom drama. God is the judge who is looking over the evidence. All the people of the world are the defendants on trial, the pagan Gentile, the moral Gentile, and the self-righteous Jew. All on trial before, before God. And the prosecuting attorney is the brilliant Apostle Paul, who in the first three chapters of Romans is giving evidence upon evidence to prove beyond any question that all of mankind stands guilty before a holy God who sees all. Last week we looked at the first 17 verses of his letter. And in those 17 verses, Paul basically introduces himself and his message to the Roman believers. And he ends his introduction by telling them, in verse 17, that his gospel reveals the righteousness of God. Look at verse 17. Leading up to this, let me just say this to clarify in case you were not here. Leading up to this, Paul is, is in essence, answering the charge that, Paul, you're, you're afraid to come to Rome. You're afraid of the Roman intellectual leaders. You're afraid that if you step foot in this city, they'll take your gospel, Paul, and they'll dissect it. The philosophers, the, the educators, the brilliant minds of Rome, the capital of the world, they'll take your gospel and they'll put it under a microscope. They'll dissect it. They'll cut it apart. They'll show how inconsistent it is, Paul. They'll show how illogical it is. And Paul declares in verse 15, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you who are at Rome. Why? Because I'm not ashamed of this gospel. I'm not ashamed of it. I don't just go to out-of-the-way places like Ephesus and Corinth and Thessalonica. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is God's power unto salvation to everyone who believes in time to the Jew first and also now to the Gentile. And Paul says, I'm not afraid to come to Rome. I'm not afraid because what I have is the only solution to man's problem. 
And I have the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he says, the reason that it is the solution to man's problem, the reason that it is the power unto salvation, for in it, verse 17, is the righteousness of God revealed. In this gospel, God reveals his righteousness and gives it to people. Not only is God righteous in his plan of salvation, but men need righteousness. And the gospel is the only thing that provides that righteousness. For in it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. In other words, this gospel speaks of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which is appropriated only by faith in him. Now, what is God's righteousness? You want a definition of it, it is this. It is conformity to what is right. That is basically what it is. You can look up any theological book, and they will tell you that is what righteousness is. It is conformity to right. Conformity to that which is right. And who sets the standards? Who declares what's right? That's the cry of our hour. Who declares what's right? God declares what's right. God's righteousness is conformity to his own standards. He dictates what's right. Not us. He does. And righteousness is God's conformity to his own standards. And that gospel is the means by which a holy, perfect, righteous God, who always does what's right and always conforms to his own standards, how he imparts to sinful, guilty man who does what's wrong, his own righteousness by faith in Christ Jesus. That is the gospel in a nutshell. It's God's provision of righteousness for mankind. And the reason man needs righteousness is because he doesn't have any righteousness of his own. In fact, the the best thing that God could say about man's righteousness is what Isaiah said, that our righteousness is like filthy rags. There is no righteousness that mankind has in himself. Now, don't misunderstand. You may be pretty good compared to somebody else. You may be pretty bad compared to somebody else. If you compare yourself to others, then you might go away thinking that there's something that's really good about you because you're better than this person. That's not what we're talking about. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is before a holy, righteous God, none of us live up to conforming to his standards. None of us. That's why later Paul concludes, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. If we compare ourselves to ourselves, then we might look pretty good. But if we compare ourselves to a holy, righteous God who has never done anything wrong, never will do anything wrong, and we're evaluated by that standard, then there is no hope apart from his righteousness given to us. And the whole point and the whole purpose of the next few chapters in Romans is that it's Paul's prosecution. It's God's prosecution, really, of the whole world. The whole world is on trial. Paul is out to prove that we have no righteousness in ourselves. You see, why does he do this? It's very simple. If a person doesn't see his unrighteousness, his sin, his guilt, his lostness before a holy God, a perfect God, he'll never see his need for the gospel. He'll never see his need for righteousness. Unless we see ourselves as God sees us, totally unfit, for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then we'll conclude that we don't need his righteousness. We're doing fine by ourselves. 
And we, we will go about trying to establish our own righteousness by church attendance, by religious observation, by giving to charity, by doing good works. And none of those things cut it. And so Paul must establish in the minds and the hearts of these Romans who he's instructing in what the gospel really is, that they must see that, that man stands before God as guilty. The truth of the matter is that nobody can meet the demands of a holy God. Nobody. Because we don't conform to his standards. We never have, we never will. Apart from Christ. And the only solution is to accept the righteousness of Jesus Christ by believing the gospel. Now this morning we come to the courtroom scene in which Paul is pointing out the evidence for man's sin and guilt. And you know how we enter that courtroom scene? We enter it through the door of Romans 118. For the wrath of God is revealed. That's how we enter it, by understanding God's wrath. And the first group of people who are to stand trial are the heathen, the pagan. Now, who is he talking about? Is he talking about somebody just in Africa? Is he talking about somebody just uh, who, who's way out in the jungles? Not really. Mankind can be divided into two classes, Gentiles and Jews. Gentiles and Jews. Paul is going to deal with the Jews later in chapter 2, but right now he's going to deal with the Gentiles. That's what heathen means. Heathen, heathen simply means, in the biblical terminology, heathen simply means those who are not Jews, those who have never received the revelation of the Scriptures. He's going to deal with two types of, of Gentiles or heathen. He's going to deal with uh, the uh, person who, uh, who has gone into idolatry, who is totally immoral, and then he's also going to deal with the exception to the rule, the moral pagan, but the hypocrite. The pagan who says, I, I shun those sinful deeds, but he's just as sinful because he's a hypocrite. And he does those things in his heart that he condemns others for doing outwardly. But this morning, the heathen, the pagan is on trial. And it's important, very important that Paul deals with them first because inevitably, and we need to understand this, and the Roman believers needed to understand this, inevitably we hear objections to the gospel because people claim that the gospel is unfair. And the reasoning goes something like this. God can't hold anyone responsible who has never heard of Jesus Christ. Now that, my friends... That reasoning does not come just from unbelievers. That comes from believers. Some of you here may believe and think along those lines. And the question really is, are the heathen lost? Are they really lost? Will anyone go to hell who has never heard of Jesus Christ and never accepted him? There are people probably right in this room who wonder about that. Just this week, we were having family devotions, and I check out my message usually on my family. And I, uh, just to make sure everything is right, and uh, I said to my son, I asked him that question, if those, uh, those people who have never heard of Jesus, will they go to hell if they don't accept him? And he said, yes. And I was so pleased. And I said, why? And he said, because you said so. <laughs> I love that boy. <laughs> Special boy. Well, in spite of the fact that I, I love him, I had to tell him that it's really not because I said so. It's because God says so. It's because the word of God says that they haven't conformed to his standards and they are responsible for their sin and they are unrighteous and ungodly and they have rejected him 
even if they've never heard the name of Jesus. Now, don't don't misunderstand. Don't read into that. Don't, don't, if you're a visitor here, say, well, who are you to stand up there and say only church people are going to him? We're not saying that at all. The whole world stands condemned and, and sinful before God, and the only solution is accepting the gospel of Christ because we can be pagans too. He's not speaking about somebody who's just in Africa. He's speaking about a person who has never heard of Christ. And there are people in your world and in my world who have never heard the truth of the gospel of Christ. Maybe they've heard his name, but they've never heard the truth. They are pagans as well. We are not condemning someone who is just distant from us. We are speaking in general terms about all people who have never heard of Jesus Christ and never had the gospel explained. Paul is going to prove the guilt of all the heathen. And he centers his arguments around one expression, the wrath of God. And if you're taking notes this morning and you want to get a handle on this passage, I would suggest you divide it this way. God's wrath defines. The first thing that Paul does is he basically defines the wrath of God. And I'm going to clarify what he means by it. God's wrath defined. Then God's wrath deserved. Is it deserved? That's the issue. Is the wrath of God really deserved on people who've never heard of Christ? Yes. And then the next time we study Romans, we will see God's wrath displayed. How has God displayed his wrath? Let's first of all look at God's wrath defined. Verse 18, I said just a few moments ago, opens the door into the courtroom scene. And the apostle begins by saying, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Let's stop there. The expression, the wrath of God, is not a popular one today. In fact, in many ways, I wish I didn't have to speak about this. This is not the way that you make friends and influence people to like you. The wrath of God is not popular these days. People want to dwell on the love of God to the neglect and the avoidance of the wrath of God. I speak to people all the time who want to tell me that, but God is a God of love, not wrath. Well, they have partly right. God is absolutely perfect love, but God is absolutely perfect wrath. Now, what does it mean? What does wrath mean? And if we're to have biblical integrity, we must accept the wrath of God. You cannot pick and choose what you want to out of the Bible. You cannot say, I'll accept the love of God, but I won't accept anything else that he says. Listen, Jesus referred to hell twice as much as he did to heaven. In fact, in Matthew's gospel, which opens up the New Testament to us, in Matthew's gospel, for every verse that the Lord Jesus referred to heaven, there are three verses that he referred to hell. You cannot take the love of God and say, I'm going to avoid the wrath of God. If we if we are to have biblical integrity, we must accept both. In fact, if we don't deal with God's wrath and we can't understand the gospel. You cannot understand the gospel. Paul begins his gospel presentation by explaining the wrath of God, not the love of God, not the gospel. You first have to have the bad news before you'll even appreciate the good news. In fact, without the bad news, there is no good news. Against the backgrounds of the, of the, uh, the bad news, I understand the good news. That's the point of it. That's what he's doing. You'll never see your need for some good news unless you see how bad things really are in your spiritual condition. That's where the gospel begins, with the wrath of God. Do you know why natural gas smells so bad? In its natural state, it's odorless. There is a chemical added so that if there is a leak, you will do something about it. 
That smell is bad news if it's in your house, but it's bad news that could save your life. Now, Paul's argument here in Romans chapter 1 is the bad news that may save your soul. But there is great news later on in Romans, so don't go away. That good news is as good as it is only because this news here in chapters 1 through 3 is as bad as it is. This is Peter Silseth saying thank you for tuning in to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is leading us through the book of Romans. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These daily radio Bible classes are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries, a faith ministry made possible through the prayers and gifts of interested listeners who are first faithful to their own churches. If you would like to hear today's class again, it is available at our website, versebyverseradio.org. You will also find previous programs on the archives page. That's versebyverseradio.org. Our class today was the start of a three-part message. You will hear the whole message. You can hear the whole message by ordering a CD or a cassette. Just call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. Many people think of God as a force or a cosmic intelligence. But this passage in Romans talks a great deal. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.